This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome. This is Gut Owners Radio, FM 96.1. Uh, Michael, throw your mic over. Oh, go ahead. I got it. Keep you going. Sure? Yeah. All right. This is FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Nice. You're dropping the ball. Oh, they're over, you're over there off studying. To a, off to yet another professional, well-polished start. Yes, absolutely. I see we're studying, so... You haven't read that yet? No. <laughs> I had a funny feeling. Hey, folks, if you have legal matters that involve firearms and you need to call our attorney, John Dillon, especially if you have questions on red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. That's John Dillon, specializes in California gun laws, 760-642-7150. Or just go to his website, DylanLawGP.com. Or stay tuned. He's on the show today. Fantastic. It's so about what, time. What else you got planned for that boy? For, for the show, I'm for the sh- <laughs> Well, we got all kinds of cool. We, of course, we got Joe. How you doing, Joe? Doing great. Did you have fun last week? Yeah, I did have fun last week. You had to think. But I had fun yesterday. You I had, had fun pretty much every day. You had to think about what you were doing last week. Yeah, what were you doing? Why, why is he you asking did, me if I was having fun? <laughs> did, what, what did, you, did you do something fun? What did you do? I'm I did. I was in classes all weekend. I took a, a basic red dot class on uh, Friday, which was fun. With, uh, what's his name? Brian Hill. Yeah, the guy we had. We had him on a couple of yeah. weeks ago, months yeah. ago. And uh, then on Saturday and Sunday, I did a um, image-based decision drills uh, instructor certification class with, uh, with him as well, with Brian Hill. So how did the how did, what did you think about the red dot? Yeah, class? I was just going to ask you. Like, what's the, here's my big question: What's the difference between a red dot class and a regular class? Like, was it significantly like, oh, hey, this is eye opening? Yeah, for red me, because well, yeah, the red dot. Because I just switched over to the red dot what two months ago or so, and it, it takes a little while to get used to it. And um, it's just a matter of coming up differently. You know, you've, you'll see people that first start out with the red dot; they're coming up and they're fishing around for the dot. You know, because their guns yeah. not coming up in the same spot, and for me it was interesting because I always thought, okay, I've got pretty good mechanics. My draw comes up to the same spot all the time, and then with the red dot, it's like, wow, where is this thing? And then somebody pointed out to me, well, yeah, but you're, you you got to come up to a slightly different position with the red dot because it's it's zero differently. So you have to kind of relearn that. So it was it's that kind of thing. It's um it's learning how to get faster with it, uh, transitioning from uh, from target to target and things like that. Uh, following the target, um, not focusing on the site, because with the iron sights, you're used to focusing on that front sight, whereas with the red dot, you're looking past the front sight to the target. Mm. And um, getting up to speed on that is a little bit differently, because like, you know, you were talking uh, earlier off-air about the um, about giving a new person a red dot and yeah. how they're, they perform, their performance shot up drastically. Yep. Well, yeah, if you're standing at a line in a you know, a square range and you're just shooting at a target. Well, yeah, it'll do that. Yeah. But if you're trying to do that faster and you're trying to transition, the other thing with the red dot too, is the bullet will go where the dot is when you pull the trigger. 
Uh, the thing is, if you still have bad habits, if you flinch, if you pull to the left, uh, mm -hmm. the red dot's not going to help. It'll actually show you what you're doing because you'll see the red dot zip over to the left uh, just before your bullet goes that way. So it's um, <laughs> there's there's a number of things to uh, to learn. We practiced more on on some speed drills and things like that. So it was it was fun for me. Um, again, because I'm new to it, so hopefully I'm I saved myself a. Uh, a couple of months of figuring this stuff out, you know, through trial. You gonna take you gonna take the class again, maybe? No, I don't. I don't think I would. You think because you've absorbed I, enough? Yeah, it's a matter of now understanding what I'm trying to do and now actually applying like before it, you didn't it. have any. Idea. Yeah, it was the the unconscious incompetence. Right. I didn't know what I didn't know. There before, you go. So now, I so you thought you were doing just do. fine? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was happy to hear him on the interview here on the radio. He said, "Yeah, three to six months to get comfortable with it." Because I was flailing after two months. So I'm uh, thinking, okay, good. Three to six months, I could live with that. Yeah. Isn't that how you normally you get lost and you say, I'm going to turn around, and it's always about a half a block from where you're supposed to turn right <laughs> Yeah, not going to stop and ask. Yeah, no, of course. No, <laughs> and what did you like? Well, tell us about the decision-making class. Uh, that yeah, what was, was that about? Too. The image-based decision uh, class, what they're trying to do is uh, the idea of, you know, if you were teaching that class is to teach people to make um, quick decisions or quick assessments of the situation and then make a quick first decision on it of something to do. And it's interesting, the way they first start out with it, um, he would throw, what they do is they give you, uh, he's got a series of cards, and the cards have pictures on them. So and this is the same dude, the, the yeah, Brian, Brian, Brian Hill, the, uh -huh. the red dot guy. Yeah, it's the, um, the com I'm going to say Complete combat Combatant, is that his company? Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brian Hill's easier to remember. Yeah. Um, but the... Um, you have a series of cards. So there's a, a card with a picture of a gun, a picture of a flashlight, a picture of a telephone, and there's like seven cards. And then what he did at first, he would just show a picture up on the screen. You'd see maybe a, a guy with a baseball bat and a threatening look or something. Mm -hmm. And then he said, okay, what, you know, hold up a card. What would you do? And they started like that. And then that kind of progressed to um, breaking the class up into groups and having you walk up to a table and flip over a card now that had some kind of scene on it or situation. And you had like five seconds to look at it and then react. And um, it was interesting because they would, you know, if the telephone was one of the things you picked up, they'd go through the 911 call. Yeah. And someone would, would play the 911 operator and ask you, okay, what did you see? And you'd, it's, a, it's interesting when you, you look at these cards, like with me, you know, I'd look at it and how little I saw the first time. And then after I went through the swap, because they would ask, okay, what would the guy look like? Did he have a mustache? Did he this and that? Hey, yeah, I don't know. I looked at it, but I didn't really see it. So um, getting used to seeing that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, talking about it, because there's, there's not a, a one exact answer to each situation. You know, it all depends. So if you do something, um, you know, okay, why did we do it? Let's talk about it. And that's something that, that we talk about in class too, when we teach the concealed carry stuff, mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, it's the, can you articulate the CYA thing? And, uh, which I picked up from uh, Masada Ayub's class, but you know, if you do something, can you explain why you did that? Is that, you know, was that the, can you explain why that was the most reasonable thing to do? So it was a lot of that stuff. It was, you know, and then how to teach that class, how to, um, how to talk to the students. Okay. After you go through the drill with them, how to get that information out of them, what else they could have done and stuff. So it was, uh, it was fun. It was interesting. It's cool. Now what is there, what's the follow up for that class or do you feel like you learned a bunch from it or is there like a, a drill or something that comes with it or is there, you know, a part two um, follow-up material or no, well, I know he's going to come out. We're going to have him out again next year. Hopefully Dave Reed wants to have him back out, uh, maybe to do a follow up on that and some other stuff. 
Uh, I know from Bill and I, because Bill DC took the class uh, with me as well. So we're going to see if we can incorporate some of that in the into the concealed carry classes. Nice. Um, when I teach the uh, situational awareness and the pepper spray class, I know I, I definitely want to use some of it in there. So um, it, I mean, it is because that's kind of it's pretty common that people have. They, I'll be totally frank. People say dumb stuff. You know, like, well, if I were in that situation, I'd pull my gun or whatever. You know, it's really, really, really rare. I mean, if, if you were to lay out, you know, a hundred scenarios, uh, you know, conflicts, let's say, in public with other people, you know, it's it's rare, if ever, you know, do you, do you pull a gun? You know, it's so rare. Um, and I think that's an important lesson for people to, to know because, you know, what's the one tool? If we have a CCW, what's the one tool? you carry with you well it's it's your firearm and when you have you know how does it go when you're a when when you when when you're a hammer everything looks like a nail right and yeah. hopefully they're teaching you that hey and that sounds like that's exactly the point well, is they're teaching you that you know just because you're carrying around a hammer doesn't mean everything's a nail yeah and we went through some of the pepper spray exercises too in the class so it was yeah. good but the i think the real valuable thing is getting people to think about it ahead of time because if something happens it's going to happen really fast you may or may not be thinking but at least if you've gone through this kind of stuff and you thought about, okay, what would I do? Yeah. And you play those what-if games when you're out in public and stuff like that. I think that's helpful to people. So if they're really in the situation, hopefully they'll think and they'll make the right decision or the right choice. Well, cool. All right. We got Phil here. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing great. From Short Shot? Excellent. Yeah. We're going to come back from the, in the break, and we're going to do a couple segments and talk about Short Shot. Short Shot Firearms Simulator in Oceanside. Right and, of here. course, we have Action Jackson. How you doing, buddy? Good. <laughs> Fantastic. We're going to talk to Action Jackson about the wheel he's carrying. Yes, we are. Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right. Let's see if you can read this guy's name, because I'll ruin it. Bill Hoggy from <laughs> Sure Shot Firearms Simulator in Oceanside is next. All right. We can't wait to talk to Phil. Got a new name. Self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. So you need to make sure you are protected by the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you purchase your, uh, protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Hey, Get this, you can get a free t-shirt. All you have to do is use Gun Owners Radio as their promo code. So sign up today. Go to uslawshield.com. Now, Phil, is there another pronunciation of your last name that we could... Uh, the other pronunciation is Huey. Huey, all right. Let's go with that one. Okay. Awesome. See, awesome that didn't job. look like Huey either. So you're okay, Jackson, no problem. So you are the founder and owner of Sure Shot Firearms Simulator in Oceanside. That's correct. Talk about uh, Sure Shot. Uh, well, Sure Shot actually came to me in my mind uh, years ago. Kind of mm -hmm. had an idea about uh, what can I do to give people a little bit more training for the ones that can't go to the range or you know, not prepared to go to the range. Right. So Simulator came about, uh, just came out about the right time. Place opened up next door. 
And I wanted a place where people could come in, shoot, you know, at an inexpensive way, but also learn the correct way to shoot. And I'm assuming not have to buy their own simulator. Not have to buy their own simulator, correct. And that's where the money that's is. What, that's where it is right there. Save, save on the ammo. Get out of the intimidation of shooting if it's the first time. And tell, have, anybody, have you ever done a simulator? I have done a couple different kinds. Yeah. Have you done any simulators? Yeah, but like, like submarine control rooms. And well, stuff. it doesn't <laughs> make a any difference. simulator I haven't done. But because when you do a simulator, right. it's like unbelievable. You get into it. Like no, I mean, I've done it many a time, and I'll tell you, it's that technology, and I can see where it worked perfect yeah. for your company. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I call it more of immersive because you get involved in it. And yeah. get people to say, "Wow, I feel the sweat, my heart beats beating," because yeah. we can give you simulations like you were talking about before. You know the what ifs. So talk. What what exactly? I mean, simulator can mean a lot of things. So talk. Yes. Describe like what exactly people experience. Okay. So when we take them through there, we first take them through the regular shooter range. You know, regular target, side alignment, side picture. You know, it's usually with the one simulator that does a recoil, kind of get you used to it. Mm-hmm. Then we give them the actual firearms, actual Glock seventeens uh, and twenty twos that recoil just like you're shooting at the range, so they can experience that uh, that first time shooting shooting at the range. Then we go one step further. We say, now we want you to use your critical thinking. And we actually give them shoot, no shoot situations. Like three targets show up, one bad guy, others have cell phones like you were talking about before. What, do I shoot or not shoot? Wow. And this and, is on like a giant screen. It's like a big, big, big TV screen looking thing kind of thing. Real, real similar <laughs> to the screen. And we can actually even put it in a 360 where they have to watch everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Sounds like a, sounds like a road trip. Yes. Yeah, to Oceanside. <laughs> well, because it's hard to explain it. You yes. Know? What we should have done is we should have went and done it and then come back. So that, oh, he's good. Now he's got a second oh, show. We can go. still do that. Yeah, see, he's so, got a second show. He's got a follow. I like the way you roll. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the firearms are indistinguishable. I mean, basically, you're shooting a, like a Glock 17. It, oh, yeah. And yeah. It, and it's, but it's got recoil and everything, yeah. right? Yeah, so what, what we do is that you got Glock 17, 22s, the ARs, and the shotgun actually put what they call a recoil kit in there so you're going to get the same kick that you actually do at the range the exact mm-hmm. same feel and everything and you right. can simulate short distance you know long distance and the thing i like about it is you get a chance to move around just like if it was real life instead of being stuck in one place and everything wow. so, and you don't have to worry about range safety uh, no we still but i'd be just saying yeah. i mean you're not going to get <laughs> shot you know no no no, so, that's the good thing. We could actually do a little bit more uh, as far as the teaching because well, it's a it would bit take, to do so. Wouldn't you think that that takes a little bit of the fear oh, yeah. out of a first-time shooter? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, everybody goes shooting for their very first time. The first thing they're afraid of is they're going to get hurt. Exactly. And you take that completely away. Oh, yeah. Is that huh. Now, is that your target audience? Do you, you know, is it is it marksmanship or is it more of situational uh, information? You know, you, you know what I mean? Or is it more yeah. for... For new shooters or intermediate or advanced or what's the, what what type of knowledge are you looking for people to walk away with? Uh, exactly, uh, we do the new shooters, you know, because a lot so many people have a misunderstanding about how to shoot, when to shoot, and uh, and then just that phobia of going to the range. So we introduce that to them. But then you have the ones that hey, I shoot, but I want to take that m- one step further to get that much better. Mm. And then we even have some advanced classes that we teach for those ones that hey, I'm an expert shooter, I want to go a little bit further. But I can't go to other places, and I can give them the exact same thing. Wow, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. That's very awesome. What, now, what's your background? How did you get into this? 
started Marine Corps. 21 years Marine Corps, retired. Uh, I was. What'd you do life. for the Marine Corps? Well, believe it or not, aviation electronics, and I went down to the infantry level. Uh, my last eight years, I was the range chief uh, over at uh, Edson Range, you know, oh. for 91 and 94. And then I did all the PMO weapons training and firearms training. What's PMO? Uh that's the MPs, military police at, uh, okay. at Camp See, Pendleton. I would have thought he was a drill sergeant. <laughs> I dealt he, with the recruits a little bit. If he doesn't look like a drill sergeant. <laughs> he kind of has that air about him, doesn't he? <laughs> I have had too many of them, and I remember. But That, yeah. that kind of, you don't mess with him. He's he's, exactly. he's, he's strictly business, but yeah. he also cares about yeah. you. And he kind of has that. You and know. for some reason, they all smile a lot. And that's a scary Uh-oh. situation. Let me tell you. That smile will get you every time. Well, that is such an interesting. Uh, okay, I'm sure you got so, more. Questions well, I was going to say, so so Marines. Uh, what did you do after the Marine Corps? Uh, after the Marine after Corps, the Marine, after you got well, out, I took over the uh, security academy, a Nampour security academy. Uh, got into training. I was doing a lot of training with uh, a lot of law enforcement. Uh, also, uh, with the San Diego Sheriff Department, developed their initially back in the days MP5 SWAT program, uh, and then LAPD, FBI, all of them. But then my concentration is I wanted to train. Uh, Civilian personnel on the security, kind of similar to law enforcement. So I took over Nampour uh, in 1998 and been running that ever since and training the security personnel just as well. Wow, that's cool. You're still doing that today? Yep, still doing that today. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So now you, so this is kind of a side gig? Right. Yeah, so this one's extended from that, uh, from the Nampour side and wanted to, wanted civilians to know that we had the same opportunity to train right. them. So they could have something to do. So what's the benefit if Joe goes down? Because Joe's a professional shooter. He right. competes. He takes more classes than yep. you do. Yep. What would be the benefit for him to come and take take your experience? It's it's always going to end up fine-tuning those skills to what-ifs like he was talking about right there. We have over 1,000 scenarios with five different variations. So basically we have 5,000 scenarios wow. where he would go through one and the guy would shoot. Mm-hmm. And then Mike would go through the same scenario, and we've had people anticipate that the guy's going to shoot, and then mm-hmm. they're prepared, but the guy walks away. So, it so they they saw the guy in the video from from the time before, and they're like, "Oh, that guy's I got gonna, this guy. Yeah, right. I know this guy's deal. right." So, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Can, yes. So the instructors can vary the reactions oh, yeah. on there. Oh yeah, and uh, wow, that's a yeah, that, if you that's walk really in with a, if you walk in with an attitude. You are not going to get out of this well, class. And there's a tendency. There's a tendency to try to game it. Okay, I saw yeah, that. See, that's that's, that's, it. that's the guy that you got to watch for. That we uh, always talk about. Don't anticipate. Be observant and be prepared. Yeah, you can end up shooting somebody, and that yeah. wasn't the way. Ooh, right. So the how does it work as far as do you have group classes or all individual or how does all that work? Uh, we do uh, individual. Some people feel more comfortable individually because okay. that first time uh, we have a family that now their their whole family's getting ready to go through. So it's five members, so they're, they're coming through. They're going to do the – basically we have a four- or five-hour session where we get through them step-by-step, step, even firing the simulator. And the, the last part, we take them to the range as well. But, and shoot real bullets? And shoot real bullets. So this makes it comfortable from them starting from nothing, uh, the one that don't recoil to the ones that recoil, and then having those time on the range, simulated scenarios, and then take them to the range. to Because if you don't take them to the range, then they don't know. I mean, they'll probably never go to the range. Right. And we get people, they, they come back monthly, weekly, and and then they actually start going to the range on a regular basis. So, so I, have to throw comp- I have to throw a competition in here because okay, that's go what for it. Mike mentioned it. Tell me you don't have a group of shooters that compete. 
to yeah. see who the best simulator sh- yeah. we we have it's like a big we, video game well yeah it's always a competition between the guys talking and then, yeah, all different regular steel targets time targets yeah. every, you name it they got it yeah wow how many so how many how many simulators are there? how many guns do you have i guess uh we actually have uh total guns about 12 guns Okay, so you yeah. can, you could have like a up to twelve. You could have like a group class. Or you oh, yeah. could have, we a could have a group, group class competition. Absolutely, or, interesting. Yeah. And for, right. Well, let's things, do, go. I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, do those things vary? Like, is there? Can you do a one hour session, a two hour session, a five hour session? Yeah. Do you kind of tailor it to what what people want, or do you guys have set things that you do? Oh no, it's always tailored to the individual. We have some classes that are you know set for a certain way for right. a group, and then we have the ones that want to be hey. I could take a, an hour here, two hours there. Or I want the whole four, four or five and, hours. And do you have like different groups of scenarios? Like, is there a home defense scenario? Well, yes. Is there an out on the street group yep. of scenarios? What, what kind of stuff do you guys have? Okay. Uh, we even have it to where it's like uh, somebody breaks into the house. You know, what should they do? And, and the situation's okay. Normally, we teach them, hey, stay in a place, call 911, but sometimes you have to go check. Like, I love the scenario you talked about. Uh, you know, there's people in the house. Is your family's in the house, but I have to go in. The door's open. We have scenarios like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have it to where you're walking on the street and somebody comes up to you and they want their money. We have one. We always call it the ATM. You know, some uh, you know, yeah. situations of that aspect are able to tip the carjacking. It's interesting. One of the cards that we had in the uh, image-based defense thing was walk away. Yes. So, sometimes yes. walk away is the uh, the answer. You yes. Want. You don't have to do anything. That's, that's the biggest thing that we tell people. You don't have to uh, initiate any contact. Just walk away. You know, wow! Great distance. Yeah. I was just watching a video. What's that? Uh, he's a local guy. He's a seal. Big, big, big jawed guy. What's that guy's name? Oh man! Narrow it down. I know, me. right? Um, yeah, Jocko. Uh, he was uh, he was talking about that. He was saying, hey, you know, he was basically. He, I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically saying, look, I'm one of the most dangerous people in the world. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't. If somebody's going to pick a fight or mess with me. I, right. I walk away. I'll run away if I have to. You know, you don't want to. Nobody wants to get. If you really, really, truly, he was making. Again, I'm paraphrasing his words, but you know, if you really, truly understand violence and have experienced it, uh, you know, number one, you don't want to be a part of it. Number two, your involvement in it doesn't make you any more or less of a person or a man. Well, and even even for somebody, even for somebody like him with that level of skill, there's still a million ways that can go sideways and not not go the way he wants it to go. It's exactly what he said. Exactly what he said. And I think it's an important lesson for people to learn. I think, uh, uh, anyway. So let's let's, let's keep talking about the simulator. I'm really, really excited about it. Kind of like a race car driver that drives the speed limit on the roads, but not (laughs) on the track. Really? We come right down to it. All right, folks, this is Gun Hunters Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Hunters Radio. FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. By the way, that's Action Jackson, folks. He's getting ready to go NASCAR driving. Got his own car, brought a steering wheel, and Brittany gave him some really good pointers so as not how to break your thumb. We're going to talk more about him later on. But right now, does selling your home feel overwhelming? Well, it doesn't have to be. Just call Scott Vincent from Coldwall Banker Royal Realty. That's Scott Vinson, V-I-N-S-O-N, 
and he is a perfect guide to help you sell or buy your home. Scott has also been a San Diego County gun owner board member from the start. So if you're moving, let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott Vincent help you sell your home and find you a new home anywhere in the U.S. You can call him today at 619-948-2459. Just tell him you heard it all about it on Gun Owners Radio. Again, Scott at 619-948-2459. You can get him online at scottvinson.com. All right, back to back, sim- simulators. Back to Phil with Sure Shot. Now, is, you guys, uh, is your theme song the Beastie Boys song? Sure shot? No, oh, no. My goodness. We just... we had thought about it, but it's really <laughs> no, okay. I was going to say I can't be the first one to suggest that, right? There you go. <laughs> That's cool. So what now? Do you have like a, a whole staff, or how, how does all that work? Tell us a little bit more about the the nuts and bolts. Okay. Well, the staff is um, I have uh, probably about uh, five regular people, and I have um, Clay. He's a uh, kind of my um, first hand man, and everything like that. He's been with me with the Nampor for a while. Taught him. He's just really into shooting and everything like that, and and he's good to go. Then I have uh, Travis and Reed, both retired Marines. You know, uh, so they're actually getting into it. Reed's one of my front runner trainers. He's got every certification as far as training as well. He just loves teaching people. Nice. And then we have our new person is uh, Elena. She's a lady in the house, but she's she's a shot. You know, she she knows what she's doing. She runs the joint. Yeah, yeah. I always tell the ladies right there. More like says Janet's my manager. She makes it easier for me to be here. <laughs> and it sounds like we're gonna we're gonna set up a a seminar on how to get your CCW right. Absolutely. Yeah, look forward to that. We're, yeah. So look out for for dates uh, that San Diego County Gun Owners comes in and partners with Shore Shot to. Uh, uh, teach folks how to get your CCW in San Diego, which is, uh, is that something that you, do you work with a lot of CCW holders? Is that something you encourage? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, we actually, uh, one of the vendors for San Diego, so we've been teaching the CCW class, I think 20 plus years. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I, I support uh, people that uh, get that CCW, you know, they can have it and everything like that. And I, I always refer them to San Diego Gun Owners Association, and we've been doing a class ourselves just to let them know how to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So you've been uh, you've been teaching CCW folks how to the the, the official class, like the Correct. eight hours official eight for hours. twenty years. Correct. So talk a little bit about how, what was it like twenty years ago compared to what it's like today. Uh, you know, it's it, it's like to get the the, the CCW. I mean, uh, well, I would actually say to get it, it's a lot easier. Yeah. You know, uh, and and I have to say, part that's what San Diego Gunners Association has made it so much mm-hmm. easier, and I let people know that right there. Uh, See, a, I was just fishing for a compliment there, Dave. That's all. I was you doing did it. <laughs> I would have never got That's that. That's not what I exactly. Yes, was doing. you were. All right. You okay. kept putting the cardboard up and say, yeah. "Say it, San Diego." <laughs> he kept saying, "Say my name." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. He does it a lot. <laughs> it's easier, but yes. it was. Uh, I, I feels <laughs> oh, like goodness. the the whole ad. It feels like here's really what I'm asking. Yep. It truly someone that's been there for 20 years, yep. you know, uh, carrying and teaching and correct. It feels like a cultural change has happened in yes. San Diego. Yes, it, it, it feels like it used to be this kind of taboo secret, and now it's it's going mainstream, yes, right? It is. Have, have you noticed the difference in your your students? You know, in the last couple of years, compared to 15, 20 years ago, it absolutely. It's, uh, the students, like I said, uh, uh, just the ones that are taking the class, the ones that are open to do it, the ones who say, "Hey, I never thought I would want to get a CCW, but I'm more open to it," and I could see a reason for it it's it's just a lot more to it nice yeah what's your what's someone that's been carrying and teaching for for decades what's your uh what's your best advice uh, my best advice uh, is right there one apply and train 
you know, always constantly just trained to actually utilize it in a way that you're going to carry it. And I think that's the biggest thing that I see right there is I get people, uh, because we have it for, you know, that two years, and I say, what have you been doing to actually keep your skills up? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I went to the range. I said, when? I said, no, you have to train. It's just like driving a car. If you drive a car, you park it in the garage and then bring it out a year later, you're not going to drive so well. Mm-hmm. So you have to go out there even if it's just, you know, in-home drive practice and everything else of what you got to do is safely, of course. And, you know, even if training, within training, I've found right. my, my humble opinion is if you just go and stand in a lane <sighs> and put 50 holes right. in a piece of paper, that not, don't get me wrong, no. that's valuable. Yeah. you got to do that. Yes. But if that's all you're doing, it's like shooting free throws yes. and then trying to win an NBA championship. Right. You know, you doing nothing but shooting free throws. Right. Um, you know, you got to pull from concealment. You yes. know, you got to go through scenarios. Right. It, that that knowledge, I feel, is is severely lacking. I mean, working on your marksmanship in a lane is important, sure, um, but there's so much more to it. Once right. once you get that that mm-hmm. card, once you get that CCW, yep. there's a whole other skill set that comes along. Yeah, you right. really got to get familiar with. And, and I think that's one of the things that why we did this. We wanted to have somebody a safe place where they could come here because when we even teach with their firearms that we don't shoot on the simulator, mm-hmm. we say, hey, let's practice here. How do you carry? You know, what position you carry? Let's practice coming from that position. And also, let's talk about movement. I, I created this one thing. I call it booth syndrome. And they look at me and they say, what's that? I said, when you go to a normal range, you're stuck in a booth. They don't let you move left and right. I said, in real life, you're going to have to move left and right, draw from the weapon maybe possibly even nil. So we want to teach people you know, the things that may or may not happen, the what ifs. Interesting. Yes. How do you, what do you recommend as far as carrying? If, if, if someone asks, like, hey, how should I carry this or what right. holster or whatever, what, what, what do, you, do you have a preference? Uh, you know, I always tell everybody it's kind of like driving a car. You have to go by what's uh, comfortable for you. But also I tell people, I said, what's secure, you know, what, where you can draw and secure that weapon. Uh, certain ways, I, sometimes I hesitate on saying what I don't like on one particular one because somebody might be around and say, oh, I can't believe you said that. But um, I say carry it the way that, one, you can secure that weapon. It's, you can do the protection of that weapon so nobody else can get to it at that point. But you should be able to have that weapon in different ways. I, sometimes I carry it on my left. Sometimes I carry it on my right. Sometimes you know, I carry it you know, different ways, but I practice that each and every time. I just carry Action Jackson on my shoulders at all times, right. and he, he protects me if I ever need it. He's such a good shot. But well, I was going to see if I could borrow him for protection. Too. There you go. Yeah, right? <laughs> You ought to run him through the simulator system. Oh, yeah. He's, he's invited. He's yeah. invited. Because if we run him through the simulator, he can give a really interesting perspective. Because yes. I would think if I he was my son and he was yeah. into guns, that's the first class I'd send him to. Exactly. Because I don't have to worry about him. He doesn't have to worry about Correct. pressure. And I've got good trainers. Yep. And how many different scenarios? 5,000? Yep. So you can handpick whatever you want. Exactly. And I think it's, it's perfect it's for fun, kids. Fun shooting, too. It concentrates on marksmanship. How much know? are the bullets? Uh, <laughs> bullets, let's put it this way. For uh, 30 bucks, you get 400 shots. <laughs> it's a little cheaper than 9 million. Oh, that's a lot cheaper. Than, well, so now that you bring that up, <laughs> right. is that basically how the, the consumer would pay, is by how many shots they're going to take? No, it's uh, you do it by time. You know, 30, oh, time. 30, 40 minutes, you know, and it's, let's say, 30, 40 minutes for two people. It, it's fifty bucks, you know. Wow, and that's, if, you know that's. But that's with the ones that don't recoil, just kind of good marksmanship. But if you want to add the one that recoil the four hundred shots, it's additional thirty. So basically, you're looking at eighty bucks. You know, okay. shoot as much as you want. Are what they are as our training weapons. We say that boom, boom, boom. 
get your fingers tired, yeah. and then 400 rounds of actually shooting. So let me ask you, I bet you got a club. And you got, like, discounts if, if you belong to certain levels now? Oh, yeah. yeah. See, we, I knew that. We got, we got the members. Well, I think, because I, I if you got know. a guy that shoots on a regular, regular yes. basis, he might want to be at the higher level. Exactly. To get them, you know, especially if they clean your guns. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought you meant like a large piece of wood that someone would beat someone with. <laughs> you would think that. You like, would think that. It's like, you don't need a simulator for that. Well, as much as you like cleaning your guns in the sink, <laughs> this is a great program for you. <clears throat> you I, stand, I stand by the Schwartz technique of cleaning a Glock. Can you believe that? Yeah. You literally, what, what do you slobber it with? I, I slobber it with uh, Seal One and, and scrub it down, and then I just put it under scalding hot water in the sink, and it comes out perfect. Come on, Gunny. What do you think? Is he on the right track? Well, I'm not gonna say how, how many push-ups would he be doing. Core. How many how many push-ups would he be doing right now if you uh, caught him doing that? Uh, Twenty plus. There you go. He can do them. Don't yeah, let him. Yeah. Don't let him kill you. Well, that's cool. So what? Uh, what do you? I mean, if if you're listening right now and you are an experienced shooter and you this sounded interesting because yeah. I, I would I would assume that most folks listening right now are fairly experienced and have had some level of training. Um, what what would they what would they express to you you know th- to work on I guess what you know if they call up and say hey I want to come down right what are they what are they looking what are they asking for uh, most of wanna, them you are, want to come down and do a one hour class or right. I want to come down and do a specific drill or what what do you think they'd ask for a lot of them want to just come in and say okay hey I'm experienced but now I want to do a, a little bit most of the time it's just different scenarios moving targets you know because they don't get that chance to shoot at moving targets then we got it to where you got moving targets. Mm. Uh, because you got to uh, you got to change a little bit with your sighting when it's a moving target and so forth, so they could practice that. So if they ever come across this situation, it's harder when the targets are moving away from you. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, well, <laughs> running. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and we tell them don't shoot the ones running away unless yeah. they're a threat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have a website? Oh, yes, absolutely. Let me guess: www.shoreshot.com. For some reason, somebody like me made it too long. SureShotFirearmSimulator.com. Oh, that's just too long. <laughs> SureShotFirearmSimulator.com. That's okay. right. Well, and the, and I think people should at least go there yes. and peruse through the site. Yeah. Answers pretty much any and all questions that you might have. Oh, absolutely. And the ones you don't, I think there's a contact button that you can reach out and, exactly. and get those questions answered. We give free to anybody that comes down there at no cost. You get a demonstration free. It takes about 10 minutes. You get a chance to shoot mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, different scenarios, you know, so we can introduce. Like I said, you can't tell anybody right. about it. No, you can't. And they get pleasantly surprised, even the experience and everything else. I highly recommend that yeah. for anybody that's, that's questioning whether right. this is worth trying. I would I would definitely I would definitely do that. Absolutely. What are you doing? What are you, doing are you guys that? open every day, or what's your schedule normally? Uh, we're open. Um, well, we make appointments anytime. You can make appointment anytime. We've had appointments what up about latest ins? 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. because that's oh, wow. when they yeah. were available. What about walk-ins? Walk-ins. Uh, we usually on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Okay. We open up around uh, 2 o'clock up until 9 on uh, Saturdays and Sundays. We open at 10. In so the morning? Th- in the morning. Okay. So Thursday through Sunday, you're open to the general public and then uh, by appointment. Yeah. Uh, by appointment, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. and Sunday. You know, but the time's ten o'clock gotcha. on Saturday and Sunday. Gotcha. That's cool, man. I think yeah. we're gonna go up there, Dave. What do you say, man? I think I I, I think because like I said, we're asking a billion questions, yeah. and he's thinking in his head, if you just come up and try, you just, it, yeah, just let me just show you. I don't yeah. even have to talk. What like are you this. What are you driving this week, Dave? I'm driving a Hyundai Venue, and I thought right. of you. All right, then maybe we're, we'll go. Up, we'll come up next week. See what you're driving next week. Yeah. <laughs>
I'm actually, I think I'm getting a, a Ram uh, 35. Uh, yeah, some gas. Right, there you go. Oh, you want me in a gas guzzler. That's what you want. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Joe Jermisi has got a gear review coming up. So don't touch that dial right here on FM 96.1 AM Folks, hey, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. So the Republican Party is really just the second worst political party. So stay tuned for Michael's explanation on why that is. And what could be the first? Uh, hey, folks, most companies waste a lot of money on marketing. And the reason why is because they don't have a clear message. So if you're wasting money on your website, your social media, or you're advertising, you don't, and you don't have a clear, easy to understand message. Well, then you need to go to Sage Tree. They totally get it. Since 2005, Sage Tree has been helping companies clarify their message and connect with customers. Contact them today and learn about the proven system to help you and get better return on your investment from your marketing dollars. Go to SageTree.com and learn a whole lot more. So tomorrow night, the Republican Party are—they're going to make a uh, the uh, a vote to endorse a big group of people. They—they um, they, uh, you know they're running for office here in San Diego. Now this is the local Republican Party that just in San Diego. And did you get invited? No, and I'll tell you why. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Republican Party is run by like 40, 50 people that are actually elected, um, called the Central Committee. And the Central Committee is uh, your neighbors. They're your neighbors. Uh, they run for, for central committee, and you actually vote. They're way, 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 way down at the bottom of the ballot, but you actually vote for your central committee if you're a registered Republican. If you're not a registered Republican, then you don't vote for the Republican central committee. If you're a registered Democrat, you might vote for their central committee, um, but most political parties, that you know, the two majors, of course, have a central committee, and, and that's who actually makes the decisions on uh, on the on the party, who do they endorse? Um, you know that sort of thing. So if you have more than one Republican running, they'll actually choose, um, and uh, you know they help uh, organize volunteers and they help uh, raise money and that sort of thing. Um, but that's who's actually running the Republican Party. Now, if you were listening a few weeks ago, you heard me interview a guy who is running for sheriff named John Hemmerling, and it was not a good interview. It didn't go well for John. Um, John is uh, he's a city he's a works for the city attorney uh, down in San Diego, and he is in charge of spreading the gun violence restraining order program. Gun violence restraining orders are horrible. Um, you know they now in all fairness the a lot of the examples they give on when they when they issued a gun violence restraining order, um, it, you know it's taking a firearm away from someone who's who's committing a crime. The thing is, you don't need a gun violence restraining order to do that. What they're doing is they're making gun violence restraining orders kind of, kind of, uh, they're making it common practice. They're, you know, just standard uh, practice to issue a gun violence restraining order, whether or not it's needed. Um, so they're making it look like, hey, these gun violence restraining orders not so bad. The problem is there are a number of situations where they're taking guns away from people, 
um, that haven't committed a crime. You know, and the, the whole idea of a gun violence restraining order is it's supposed to be a red flag law. And what a red flag law means is they're actually trying to predict whether or not, you know, someone's going to become a criminal. You know, they've raised a red flag and therefore they want to try to, you know, take rights away from them before um, they've actually uh, abused their um, their freedom and liberty. So that's the intent of a red flag law. A gun violence restraining order is, is, is a type of red flag law, but they've taken these gun violence restraining order and they're making them mainstream. They're, they're basically using them. Whenever a firearm's involved, they issue a gun violence restraining order. Never was the intent. Never was the intent. Um, and they're, of course, wide open to abuse. They, they flip due process on their, on their head. And John Hemmerling is not just a fan, uh, but he is a disciple of these gun violence restraining orders. He's actually uh, been spreading them to other departments, going throughout the state, going throughout the county, and making sure that other departments are are uh, implementing these gun violence restraining orders. And when we talked to him, he didn't, he didn't back off of it at all. Um, he said, hey, you know, uh, they're good for gun owners. It was, was his, I believe, his exact quote. This guy's not your friend if you're a gun owner. He's not. And he's just running for, he's running for sheriff. He's running for sheriff as a Republican. And I thought that informing the Central Committee um, would be enough. They'd hear the, the interview and say, hey, yeah, all right, yeah, this guy really isn't our friend. I, you know, We're not going to endorse him. Because the Republican Party makes a lot of noise about being pro-Second Amendment. And I, I, would, I, would, I would say that if you ask 100 people, you know, which party between the Democrats and, and uh, Republicans, which one's better on guns, you know, 99 of them are going to say Republicans, I'd guess. You know, they definitely make that claim. Um, so you would think, and, and by the way, the Central Committee, many of them are San Diego County Gun Owners members. Many of them participate, support us, and love us. And I, it was, it's been a, and, and where we agree, where the circles overlap, it's been a really great relationship. You know, if we agree on, a, uh, on, a, um, uh, on an endorsement, you know, not much is going to be able to stop us from getting that person endorsed with the Republican Party and San Diego County Gun Owners both putting in their, uh, you know, the time, the effort, and the money and everything to get them elected. Well, unfortunately, um, there is a subset of this committee called the executive committee that decides who the central committee gets to vote on. And uh, they ramrodded John Hemmerling through so that the central committee really doesn't even get to discuss whether or not they should endorse him. Um, and, and when I say they, it's really down to two people, a guy named Tony Kovarik, who was the, the chairperson, and uh, their brand new chairperson, um, Paula Witzel, and uh, for whatever reason, and Tony, you know, didn't have to do it this way, but he did. Um, he didn't have to do it this way, and really sent the message that hey, you know, screw San Diego County gun owners, forget your guns. I don't really care, you know. And, and you have to understand when we criticize the Republican Party, you know, and we criticize any party. They're, they're a single issue. You have to understand there's a lot of people at the top, especially. They're really, truly a single issue organization. And that issue is the letter R. And they will always sell your gun rights down the river in order to advance that R. And that's exactly what is happening. That's exactly so. All the lip service and all the hot air, and hey, gee golly, look at us. And we, we show up at your events, we show up at your dinners, and rah, rah, rah. That's all great, except when it's better for them to advance that R rather than advance your Second Amendment rights. Mm. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening right now. 
Now, there are a lot of committed people on the Central Committee right now that are working on trying to pull him off this list so that he can be discussed and hopefully not endorsed. Because uh, Tony Kabarik has, has shoved, it's an enormous wedge between San Diego County gun owners and the Republican Party. An enormous wedge between re- the Republican Party and gun owners in general. Wow. And it's absolutely destroyed relationships uh, and trust and, you know, bridges that have been built over years. And unfortunately, the current chair, Paula Witzel, just it did absolutely nothing. Just rolled right over. Rolled right over. They weren't. Even, I, we had the votes in the in the executive committee to just simply pull him off this list so that he that they, it could be discussed, you know, so they could make an educated decision, or at the very least, so they could send the message: Hey, look, John Hammerling, this issue is important to us. Whether or not we we endorse you, this issue is important to us. Mm-hmm. And th- that message is gone. That message is completely no way pulling gone. this out. Now, yeah, there is a way. We're working on it, but it's now it's a long shot. Now it's an extremely long shot. And I will tell you this: I'm very, very proud of the fact that while this whole fight was happening, even before uh, we got shafted by the Republican Party, and make no mistake, that's exactly what happened. If you're a gun owner, if you're mm-hmm. someone that cares about the Second Amendment, Tony Kavarik, the Republican Party, local Republican Party, last week rolled right over you rolled right over you, doesn't sent the message they do not care about your Second Amendment rights. Now, hopefully, many of the other many many people you know that are also part of the leadership will will reverse that tomorrow night. We're gonna have to wait and see. Um, but while all that was happening, I had a series of conversations with with John Hemmerling, and he actually produced a statement saying, "Hey, you know what? We got off on the wrong foot. Mike is right on the fact that they, they, this could possibly be abused." He offered to set up a citizens oversight committee. Uh, that included someone from San Diego County gun owners if he's elected sheriff. He said he was going to try to work with the legislature to protect gun owners. Um, He said he was uh, not going to spread gun violence restraining orders. Um, You know, that's all great, and I'm really happy that we did that, that we got that that, um, uh, assurance from him. But He's a he's a he's a candidate, man. He's running for office. That email is not worth the paper it was written on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, but, unless, unless he proves it. Unless he proves it. You're exactly right. But you know that's the kind of thing that the Republican Party could have gotten. They could have gotten assurances from him had they allowed a discussion. But Tony Kovarik and Paula Witzel said no. They're not going to do that. They didn't even allow the discussion. Mm-hmm. So they can't even get those that level. So as 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 crucial as this, uh, you know, this statement we got from him is, and it's public. He he, he published it. Um, it's not just you know his word on the phone or whatever. It's it's in writing. It's published and it's public. As important as that is, they, they even put they, they took a lot of the steam out of that. You know, a lot of that doesn't matter because they just shoved them through. So what I'm saying is, do not vote for anyone coming up that you cannot verify has the endorsement of a pro-gun organization like San Diego County Gun Owners or NRA or CRPA or somebody. Ignore the Republican Voter Guide because it is well, a... Well, they can use your guide. Use our guide, but but some, we don't include every single office, every single person. So don't look at the Republican Voter Guide because there are a lot of anti-gun folks on, right. that, on that list. They don't care about your Second Amendment rights. When in doubt don't and stay tuned listen to us this week we'll, we'll let you know what the republican party decides know this there are a lot of great people that are working hard but unfortunately there are a lot of people that just don't care about your rights that are making decisions at the republican party here in san diego and that was a mic drop <laughs> just a tad 
early. A little bit long. Mic drop. <laughs> well, it wasn't. Yes, well, it was. I guess it was. Yes, it was. It was a very good it, one. It was really right. sad. Uh, really, truly sad. I mean, they really, truly, like I said, we've been building bridges and working and building partnerships, so, hey, and they just destroyed them overnight. They're rebuildable. You can get those things built back. You're not doing nothing they're, well, else. Well, they are theirs to build because we're going to continue to stick by our principles. Sure, absolutely. So the, the second they decide... That Bingo. they are going to do the same, then maybe we'll talk to them. All right. Well, that's good to know. Hey, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96 AM 1170. The answer. Joe Dramisi to talk about a wolf in sheep's clothing. But first. But first, hey, are you in the military looking for help for refi a VA loan? Well, if you're looking to buy a refi, you need to consider our guy, Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris a call. 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine. I was actually putting a, a hot rod here in a driving suit. Oh, I thought you were filling out your no, uh, no, no, your, no. Voter, your voter ballot already after that last segment. <laughs> no, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> You're never voting again? Nope, I'm done with it. You got to vote. Vote for our candidates, though. I, well, that'd be the only one I'll vote for. There you go. All right, get a grip with Joe Germisi, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Know your local candidates. All right. But Fire wait, away. there's more. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is kind of, re- well, it is related to what we just talked about in the last segment with the John Hemmerling thing. Mm-hmm. And the, this, his candidacy isn't really the focus of this, but I use it as an example um, for this kind of stuff. Because this knowing who you're voting for is particularly important, especially in local elections. Um, you don't see that so much, you know, with state elections or federal elections. People, you pretty much know about the candidates. They're they're covered very widely by the media. There's lots of information out there. Um, pretty much, you can find out what you need to find out there. But for um, local candidates, things like sheriff, uh, school board members, water board members, that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of times, when people vote for this, and I've done this myself, um, and in fact, I didn't really get more wised up to it till I got involved with uh, San Diego County gun owners. But a lot of times, yeah, I, I have no idea who this person is, this local person. And I would look at, okay, who's endorsing them? It's the Republican Party. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll vote for them. And I think a lot of people do that. And um, like we were just talking about on the last segment, you can get in trouble um, by doing it that way. And, um, again, this is just a great example of, of what's happening locally here with the sheriff's uh, election and this John Hemmerling endorsement. And, um, you know, just because uh, – 
the part, you know, you would think, okay, the Republican Party endorses it, that then the person more or less stands for the things that, you know, that I think are important, assuming I'm a Republican. Um, Democrats would probably do the same thing, uh, voting for people endorsed by the Democratic Party. Um, but, like, you know, you can have, um, you can cause lots of problems by getting the wrong people um, elected locally. If you ask the people in Loudoun County, uh, Virginia, what can happen if you get a bad school board elected? And we see that all around the country, and you see it here. And this thing, especially with um, the John Hammerling thing, is a great example of that. Because you would think, um, okay, if uh, the Republican Party endorses them, then, you know, chances are, okay, must be pro-gun then, pro-Second Amendment, uh, more, you know, conservative values and stuff. But like we found out on the interview last week, with them, that's not really the case. And there were some things that were just um, interesting. Like in the course of the interview, uh, for instance, Hemmerling said he was a, a 30-year Marine Corps veteran and a uh, former law enforcement. And I remember thinking when I was listening to that, you know, okay, was he like a 50-year-old rookie or something? And then mm -hmm. when you look into it, it's, well, yeah, he's a 30-year Marine Corps veteran, but 22 of it is reserve. Uh, as a reservist. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a big difference between 30 years active duty, I would think, and, you know, 22 years as a reservist. And not that that's bad, but it's it's a little bit disingenuous. It makes it, it makes it, it, it questions whether or not you should trust them. Well, that, that, that was my thing when I, when I uh, heard about that. And the other thing with the, you know, I'm former military, I'm former police, therefore I must be a Second Amendment supporter. And, and, you know, he stated he's a Second Amendment supporter, believes in that, uh, talked a lot about the concealed carry stuff. But then it comes out in the interview that not only is he a, an advocate or not only does he believe in the gun violence restraining orders, but he's an advocate of those things, actually goes to other jurisdictions around um, California and helps them set up their programs to do that. And I believe in San Diego, I think we've used that um, more than any other county. Is that right? Yep. In California. And uh, like you're saying, that, that kind of thing is ripe for abuse. And it's, um, you know, if you, you can't say both of those things. It was a little bit like a few weeks ago when we were talking about, okay, can you, can you be generally left-leaning and support Democratic candidates, but then in the same breath say you support the Second Amendment? And it's, it's kind of hard to do that just because those people actively, you know, work against that. And it's the same thing with, you know, with Hemmerling's thing. Can you really support gun violence restraining orders to the point where you actually advocate for them and you show other people how to use them uh and how to set up their programs you show other jurisdictions how to do that and then you know right along those lines say that you believe in the second amendment and people's right to um you know to keep and bear arms and uh so i think it's important and that was the gist of the article the wolf's wolf in uh, sheep's clothing it's it's important to take the time to learn about candidates like that and you can't, you know, with a local candidate, that, that's important, now, be it school board members or anything locally. Um, you don't want to just take a look at, okay, who's endorsing? That might be one thing that you look at. But take the time to explore and find out, okay, what's this person really stand for? Um, have they been in office? Because, uh, again, in Hemmerling's case, just using him as an example, uh, you know, he's the assistant city attorney, I believe, in San Diego. The real, or the head, what do you call it, the head the uh, city attorney in yeah, San the, Diego. Yeah, the city attorney is is very much uh, anti-gun, and uh, you know it's it's a a very hostile environment. I guess if you're a gun owner, they've they've passed a number of things lately with the city council, and um, 
this uh, city attorney, even though it's not particularly her job to get involved in those things, um, seems to be a very uh, a big advocate of, of gun control things and very anti, um, you know, Second Amendment. And you can't really be the number two person if the, you know, the number two person can't say they support the Second Amendment if the number one person that they work for is such a strong anti-Second Amendment person. It just doesn't work that way. Well, he's both of them have given speeches at like Brady Organization rallies. There's no way if you're supporting a policy, it's not like you're ignorant. It's not like you went, oh, gee. I mean, the NRA isn't inviting. What am I doing here? Well, and that was the other thing too. Uh, You know, we were talking in the last segment. You talked about the Republican Party a little bit, and I was telling you, you know, off air, we were talking, and um, you know, I talked with one uh, person who's um, a Central Committee member and has been a long time, you know, Republican and very involved in the party. And, we, you know, he was kind of upset that we were upset that they were considering endorsing this guy. And, you know, my question to him is, well, why do you have to endorse anybody? I mean, why, why do you have to endorse a bad candidate as opposed to just not endorsing in that particular office? And the response was, well, we have to have a, a horse in the race there. We have to have somebody. And it's like, yeah, OK, you're going to endorse somebody that you know is bad, that that a lot of your constituents and the people you say, you know, the party represents probably would not be happy with just so you could say, you know, you have a Republican in the race that you're endorsing. And that, and that gets back to what you were just saying, you know, R seems to be the big issue. Yeah, that's the, and it, it is the, you know, one of the things that now I, I'm not a fan of either party, Democrats, Republicans. Uh, I'm not a fan of libertarian. I'm not, a, I can't think of a party I'm a fan of. Um, they're really all kind of sick, uh, ridiculous. But um, one thing that Democrat, one thing that Democrats do that the Democrat Democrat Party does better than the Republicans is they enforce their platform. They stand for something. The Republicans refuse to do that. It's all mouth uh, or lip service. Yeah, and I I, and, I and cannot it, defend that. And they, true. They, they that's can't. True. That that's why they're they, well. We have to have somebody in the race. No, you don't. You know, if you, what you what. People expect you to do is enforce your platform and, and stand for the things that you claim to stand for. Well, see, and that was exactly my argument with that because when you endorse somebody that really doesn't represent what you say you stand for, then that message is what you're sending out. And I think that's that's why, or one of the reasons, um, and I said this, that's why you're a super minority. That's how you're going to be for a long time because people pick up on that. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to take a break. Get ready, action. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, where the show is better off air than on FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. You go get a tiger. You drive as well as you growl. You're going to just... Got to turn the page. <laughs> All right. Get it with Jackie. Oh, it's for Mike. All right. So what do you do if you're hit with a gun violence restraining order? John Dillon is in the studio to talk about it. But first, clean lube and protect your gun faster and easier with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is all natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. And are you tired of smelling like a gas station after cleaning your gun? Try Seal One. Ask for it by name at your local gun shop. If they don't have it, tell them to get it. Clean your guns faster and better with Seal One. Oh my gosh, John Dillon is in the house. Holy moroly. 
founder of the Dylan Law Group. And what happiness are you going to talk about tonight? Oh, you know, it's the the same old, same old. It's always depressing. But I always go home angry, but that's okay. You go well, for you, it. You should go home angry on this subject because I'm going to continue that discussion <laughs> on gun violence restraining orders. You're and if we have me. time, you know, 5150 uh, health and welfare check stuff. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, gun violence restraining orders or GVROs, that's the, the topic of today's discussion, I'd say. Um, you know, I didn't know you were going to be talking about uh, the uh, – what it, the. Election. Hammerling and yeah, uh, Hammerling and, and him wanting to rule the roost when it comes to GVROs. And, and the problem here is uh, there's nothing good about a GVRO. You know, uh, we, we, it's and literally that's gun trying, violence restraining yes, order. Gun so violence instead of having to say all that, yeah, uh, you know, I'm a lawyer, so we got to shorten. Everything. I know we got to stay on top of you. But uh, you know, these GVROs, it's quite literally the Minority Report. We're trying to stop crime before it happens and. And we do that based off of hunches or phone calls. And, uh, you know, every time you hear the city attorney or the sheriffs or any law enforcement that are supporting GVROs, they're always telling you of these really serious situations in which, oh, we stopped a crime from happening or we stopped someone from getting shot or hurting himself or someone else. Well, yeah, those are the ones that they want to publicize. And those are the ones that they want everyone to hear about when they hear about gun violence restraining orders. But it is so absurdly easy to uh, abuse these things. Uh, I often tell people, I'll get a gun violence restraining order put on you with a phone call. I don't even have to know you. I just need to know your first and last name, know where you live, and uh, make a phone call to the police saying you said something bad. And that's uh, essentially all that you really need to, to put one of these orders in place because uh, when police go to a judge, and that's what happens when they're trying to get a gun violence restraining order, the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to get a temporary GVRO or a temporary emergency protective order. And all a police officer needs to do to get one of these things is they have to have a reasonable cause. They go up to a judge and they have to prove reasonable cause to why one of these temporary GVROs needs to be uh, put into place. Uh, and if you're in the legal field, reasonable cause is nothing. It's less than nothing. It's the lowest standard. Uh, it is so easy to prove and get past that hurdle that it's, you know, it's a joke. So when someone says, oh, well, we have to prove reasonable cause in order to get one of these things, uh, that's laughable when I, when I hear something like that. Because if you can't prove reasonable cause, you know, I don't even know what you're doing. You, you're bad at your job. Um, and I've defended gun violence restraining orders a number of times. Uh, I've found that that's continuing to be uh, a call that I get more and more often, week by week. Uh, in San Diego, like you said, we've there's been more gun violence restraining orders issued in San Diego than any other county uh, in the state. And you know, our city attorney and you know, a lot of our law enforcement they're you know promoting these things like they're they're, they're saving people, but in reality, uh, they're getting abused. And you know, I can give you examples of how this stuff gets abused. You know, uh, I can't tell you how often I get a phone call because there's a, you know a divorce proceeding going on or two people splitting up. And it used to be, uh, you know, restraining orders would be issued in a divorce case, but now it's used as a weapon. No matter what happens, no matter what the facts are, that's what happens. Tr you know. Truly weaponized. They yeah, truly, truly weaponized. are saying, hey, I want to hurt this other person. I'm going to use this government policy yeah. to do it. Uh, exactly. And it's a known thing. And so all you got to do is, you know, you have a spouse that makes a phone call and says, you know, he made this threat or she made this threat. Uh, and you tell that to police. So now the police goes, 
All right, well, a threat's been made. This person owns a gun. We can confirm that because we have everything registered to us in California. So now I have a guy that owns guns. He made a threat to his spouse or his spouse made a threat to him. Uh, well, let's just go tell the judge that. They tell no the judge brainer. I got a guy who owns guns and he made a threat. Yeah, no brainer. There you go. Done. I've never heard of a temporary uh, gun violence restraining order getting denied, to be honest. Uh, but you have that done. And so what happens when you get these temporary GVROs is you get a knock on your door. You don't get a phone call. You don't get a notice by mail saying, hey, attend you know, court to defend yourself. You get a knock on the door, and it's a bunch of police officers, and they hand you a piece of paper. They say, where are your guns? We're going to come and take them. Uh, and at that point, they come and take them. And it's legal for them to do so. They come in. If you your guns are locked up in a safe, they're either going to get the necessary tools to open up that safe, or you're going to open it up for them. And then, do you get a receipt? <laughs> yeah, you do get a receipt, but to try if we want to talk about getting guns back from law enforcement, <laughs> that's receipt, another that's show. a whole nother show. Good luck. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so you basically get a knock on your door, all your guns get taken, you have no idea what's going on, and then you're told that oh, there'll be a hearing within 21 days. Now, there's two sides to that. One is you want the chance to defend yourself and be like, you know, what's going on here? Why are my guns being taken? So you kind of want that quick hearing, but at the same time, uh, people are caught unaware by these things. And, you know, and a lot of people that get these GVROs have never had a criminal conviction in their life. They've never been in front of a judge. They've never, you know, been arrested. They've never even spoke to uh, law enforcement on a professional level. And so people panic. They don't really know what's going on. They get these weird court notices handed to them, and, and it has a date on it. And a lot of times, unfortunately, I'll get a phone call. And they'll say, well, I got this weird, uh, you know, restraining order, 5150 gun violence thing put on me. And so I got to spend about 10 minutes trying to figure out what exactly they have. And I go, well, when's your hearing? Oh, tomorrow, in two days. And it's tough because, you know, at that point, it's really hard to get a good defense going. But we do what we can. What, are you busy? Well, yeah. <laughs> you are in California. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you can get hearings rescheduled and continued, but, you know, these GVROs, it's not something that, oh, we took your guns and next week you explained yourself and now you get your guns back, you know, and, and we just hand them to you in the courtroom. None of that happens. Like, no. These things, even if you're successful in defending them, and, you know, my firm's been successful in, all, in defending every single one we've been involved in, uh, it still takes months to get your stuff back. What, even when what, the courts say, no, you're fine, they had no cause to issue one of these what are the consequences if some if you get a gun violence restraining order against you and um uh what are the consequences I, I, as far as you know how much how much does an attorney cost typically how much is this gonna, this is going to run them five ten fifteen thousand bucks right oh yeah it, it all depends but you know generally you know per hour basis 250 300 hour for an attorney yeah. that's going to be your probably your average and so 20, can, 30 hours of work at least, right? Yeah, it can very it much range. And here's the big kicker. So you get a GVRO, and so you want to think, okay, this is a civil issue. I just got to defend this, you know, one-topic GVRO. Well, what happens when the police come in and they, you know, confiscate your firearms, but it happens to be that one of your firearms is not compliant with California law, which I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of non-compliant firearms in California. People just have a hard time keeping up with the changing definition of what an assault weapon is mm. and what handguns you can and can't have. And don't forget so, the ghost guns. Yeah, no, ghost guns, a whole new thing. God, I hate yeah, that word. Another show. I hate that word, yeah. Uh, so, 
you know, please come in. They confiscate your guns. Well, now we, we've confiscated your guns and you're, you've been successful defending this GVRO, but we have now criminal charges that we want to place against you. Uh, and, you know, these criminal charges sometimes are leveraged against, you know, if you're trying to defend a GVRO, well, they say, well, we could charge you with all these criminal charges mm. that can be felony convictions or, you know, just let you it go. Don't defend against this GVRO and we, you know, we'll get an issue this GVRO without any opposition. So there's all sorts of situations where it can get very complicated, very messy, and it can take a long time and a lot of money. So it gives law enforcement a whole bunch more leverage, but there's really hasn't really been a, a, a case to be made that what you're trading off, you know, giving them leverage, giving them more authority, lowering the standard for, for taking a firearm away um, – there's not a case that this is helping. Like they're not real. I mean, they could already take they could already take firearms away from people that were committing crimes, but now they can take firearms away from people who aren't committing crimes. Exactly. And I don't. There hasn't. There is no definitive. Like, hey, here's a case, or here's a dozen cases, or here's you know a hundred cases where we really, really, you know, no pun intended, dodged a bullet here. Like we really, really helped keep society safe. Yeah. So, so we've given them this whole this gift of more authority, and we've received nothing to our advantage in return. Yeah, I, I'll give you a, an example here of how this can be abused and just the absurdity of it. Uh, a client whose son was an adult who has some mental health issues doesn't actually live at home, but because of COVID, they were kicked out of the, the care home he was in, and he had to stay at his parents' house. And uh, so the father locked up his guns, you know, had safe everything, but somehow this, you know, adult, he's a 26 year old man, stole one of the firearms one morning. He's having a bad morning before he stole the gun though. The parents, they knew he was having a hard time and they're like, we need to get some help. So they called the police and said, Hey, we need to get him on a, a health check and we need someone to come here, take care of him because you know, he's kind of out of control. We can't do it. They never showed up. Then what happens a little while later, a couple hours later, he has he's stolen this gun. Luckily, it was unloaded, uh, and he had a little altercation with the neighbors out in front. Well, magically, you know, the PERT team and the officers appeared then, uh, and they put him under uh, fifty-one fifty. But then they put the dad. They gave him a GVRO, and they confiscated all his firearms. And the thought was, well, uh, you let him steal your firearm, so therefore you are unsafe with guns. And now we have to keep you from having firearms. And so we had to defend against that case. And luckily we succeeded. The judge was kind of shocked when uh, she had to make the clarification. So the man in court today, he's done nothing wrong with the firearm, correct? Yes, Your Honor. <laughs> Did he threaten anyone with a gun? No, Your Honor. Did he abuse gun law in any way, shape, or form? No, Your Honor. Someone stole his gun. Yes, Your Honor. Oh, and, and who was the one who called the police in the first place? Uh, he did, Your Honor. Who who disarmed the person and took the gun away? Uh, he did, Your Honor. Uh, so why is he here? Well, he's just not safe with guns. And so luckily, that one was kind of laughed at out of the courtroom. But this is the just an easy example of how it can be abused. You have a situation where someone didn't even do anything, and you know, not we're not talking about even committing a crime, but literally was a victim of a crime. And Don't they get these directives from their from their uh, sub subordinates? Well, this is the thing. Now, they're given the general parameters of how these gun violence training orders are issued, and, and they know here's in the real world, 
uh, I can get them, and it's very easy to get them. If I yeah. get annoyed by someone, uh, if I want to search someone's house, right, and I'm got, told to get a warrant. We gotta take a break, or you gotta write a check. <laughs> you are all listening to Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right. Hey, we are so proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 24, 24 2A advocates. They offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from its nation's top instructor. And they provide a rock-bottom price on the very best selection of gear and accessories. Join them today. Members get great prices and free shipping. You can learn a whole lot more at National Concealed Carry Association.com. All right, back to John Dillon. Okay, I'm not the smartest pencil in the box, like I mentioned earlier. but That's true. I can confirm that. Can you do that? Can I get a letter? <laughs> I second that motion. Can I get a letter? Oh, wait, there's more. It looks like it's just they figured out another way to get guns taken away from second amendment gun carriers 100 percent. that's that's what the purpose of these things are it's to take guns and you can the proof is in the pudding so you know, let's say you get one of these temporary gun violence restraining orders and you go to court and you win right so you've proved in the court like no i'm not a danger myself they should not have come they take my guns so all that does is makes it to where a permanent GVRO doesn't get issued against you, so you're prohibited from anywhere from one to five years. Uh, so if you're right and you're successful at trial and defending yourself, they go, okay, sorry. That's, That's it. it. And so now it's like, okay, well, you can go, you're told by the courts, okay, well, you can get your guns back. So now here comes the process of trying to get your guns back, which is going to be a months long, a whole ordeal. Aren't and you're they filed have, in my name someplace in yeah, the shelf? Yeah. It, Oh, if your guns aren't registered to your name, they're not going to get returned to you. You got to get a law enforcement gun release application from the Department of Justice. They got to you got to go through the gun desk. They have their own procedure. So it becomes this whole mess. And that's if you're right. So if you were successful in defending against this, you still have months long issues and you're going to have to pay up money go through all these processes okay. to so, get your guns back. So make, it's not like they hand them to you back in the courtroom. So, so make my night. They charge storage fees for my guns. No, but if you don't pick them up within about 180 days, they'll destroy them. Or sell them. <laughs> yeah. Trust well, me. I got our California law enforcement tend to skirt the gun laws uh, when it comes to operating mm -hmm. FFLs without a license, it seems. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't doubt, doubt that it. at all. Wow. Hey, is, so what I was saying earlier in, in the segment earlier, that's, don't you think that's fair criticism? Where I where I said, hey, these are these were intended to be red flag laws, which means um, the way they were sold to the voters, you know, uh, to, to through the uh, to the legislators who who passed it, is that hey, these are supposed to be a preventative maintenance. They were never intended to be um, common practice. They were never intended to be you know the procedure, you know, no matter what. They were intended to be uh, issued, you know. With without a lot of regularity, you know, at least this is the way they were pitched. Yeah. And if they they and it was described, hey, you know, if this person is an obvious future threat, 
Um, you know, we need a tool in order to 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 stop this person. And and a lot of people that resonated with whether or not you know forget whether or not you know trying to predict the future is even possible or constitutional or whatever. But that resonated. It was never intended to be. You know, every time a gun is involved in a situation, you issue a gun violence restraining order. And that's what it is now. And that's what it is now. Yeah. And when we said, hey, we're worried that this thing's going to, you know, be used in every single situation. Oh, no, no, no. You guys are silly. Take off the tinfoil hat. No, we were right again. hundred percent. And, you know, it's just absolutely crazy how it's just shot up in the percentage of how many of these things have been issued over the last, you know, four or five years. But like you said, when you hear about gun violence training orders or red flag laws, well, what do they always talk about? They talk about, you know, mass shootings because they want to pull at the heartstrings because no one wants a mass shooting to ever happen. But if we just had these red flag laws, we would have been able to stop these mass shooters. Well, they're not going after mass shooters when they're issuing the, you know, these thousand GVROs every year now in San Diego. It's just not the case. And so, yeah, they, they're going to try to appeal to the emotions, appeal to the the topics that are going to get people flared up in order to push these forward. But in reality, how they're used is very different. So, John, let me go back to something you mentioned a few minutes ago, um, talking about them coming and confiscating guns, say, that aren't registered to you or something. If you've got gun and I, unfortunately, I'm not in this situation, but if you've got guns that have been in your family for generations that you inherited a collection from your dad who got guns from his grandfather and that kind of thing, and there's, there's no, I don't believe there's any real law in California that makes you have to go back and re-register those guns. So is that something that, again, if this happens, you'll lose all that stuff and you'll have to fight to get all that stuff back? A hundred percent. So, and that's a big problem in, you know, uh, long guns, rifles, shotguns, uh, they weren't registered to people uh, until 2014 in California. Uh, handguns back in, you know, 90s, early 90s, mid 90s. So, you know, there's a lot of people that inherited firearms from their, you know, grandfather, father, it, all completely legal. It's completely legal to have a, you know, quote, unregistered firearm. Um, but yeah, that's the problem you come into when these guns are confiscated. Law enforcement agencies in California will not return a gun to you unless it is registered to you so you get into this very complicated situation where the guns aren't registered to you because you got them from your you know dead grandfather uh and now police refuse to listen or to release them to you even though they took them from you they gave you a receipt for them showing you know make model serial number everything and their excuse is well how do we know you're really the owner well you took it from me there's pictures of you taking it from me i have a invoice from you guys saying you took it from me give them back and it's this make-believe situation where like well we can't yeah, but you prove don't have any yours. paperwork from your grandfather yeah, exactly so you, it's a, a process you know you have to you know go get them registered but a lot of times people don't just have the you know make model serial number written down handy that they can then go and register because they've they taken the all the guns away yeah so unless you have the gun to actually reference firsthand you don't just have the information written down and so it becomes a problem and it's costly, and you know I've seen people lose some valuable heirlooms through processes like this. It's pretty tough. And we were talking a little bit earlier too about um, you know close. They, they always talk about close family members um, filing these things or or areas of uh, domestic abuse or divorces or something. But pretty much anybody can do that. It can be a colleague, could be an old roommate, could be a neighbor, could be pretty much anybody. Is that is that correct? 
Again, very correct. So uh, one thing I've noticed is... Yeah, like if you interrupt me one more time, I'm going to make a phone call and the semi's coming to your house. Yeah, exactly. You'll need two. Um, I was going to say. I was being nice. So basically what I've seen in practice is, uh, you know, they always like to say, well, only, you know, your husband or your wife or a close family member could, could get one of these against you. Well, the thing is, is anyone can get one. It's just... That part of the regulation, it only regulates who's going into court to get that temporary restraining order. So if I'm not one of those listed close family members, all I got to do is call the police and then the police go and get the temporary restraining order. So that's there's literally no obstruction or no hurdle that has to be overcome just because you're like the crazy neighbor or something like that. All it takes is a phone call to the police, and then they come in. It's uh, I, I think they're incredibly dangerous. Where's the breaking point? Where's the breaking point? Because the public, see, the, one of the problems is the public doesn't know this is going on yeah. unless they're listening to this show. Most people don't know what's going on until they get a GVRO they get put it on them. So no. consequently, how far are they going to push it to where they have more guns than we have? I'm sorry. That's kind of a stupid question. They're going to keep pushing no matter what. It's that's because the, they're not going to have any it's, kickback. It's the fallacy. You, you, everyone talks, you know, casually about this slippery slope yeah. thing when it comes to gun control. But if, if you ever ask someone who's pro gun control, okay, at what point will you no no longer need any more gun laws? Right. There's never a point. No. There will always be another need for it. And we're going to cure cancer right yeah. along with it. And I'll tell you this. You know, we I. Post a little bit about this uh, last week, but we got a new bill in California, the SB 906, which is requiring people to disclose how they store their firearms to schools. You think you combine the fact that I'm going to have a school that has what guns I own, where I own them, how I store them, who has access to them on a sheet of paper in the you know school's file system. Combine that with a GVRO or a 5150 health and welfare check system where all I need is phone call. That's going to, all this is, is just, it's creating a larger snowball to just for rampant abuse because they want to make lists. They can't officially make these bad guy lists, so they do it in every other way they can. It feels like they've run out of dumb ideas. You know, it, it feels like they've yep. they've implemented so many things or been struck down in court on so many things that they're coming up with. Like the the, the proposals are getting more and more harebrained. You know, well, well didn't they come out with a new one, the new gun registry, a gun register where they're going to give the gun register? I mean, they'll you'll have access to it. Oh, so. They have taken, uh, and this is actually a lawsuit on this now, yeah. but uh, basically where they're giving private ownership information to gun violence research centers, That's it. which That's is it. another Did name you hear that for one, Mike? a bunch of people that want to just take we're, your guns. We're, we're plaintiffs in that lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a member of San Diego County Gun Owners, you're a plaintiff in a lawsuit against that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talked about it a week or so ago with Morgan, right? With Morgan, yeah. yeah. Yep. So. The other thing, too, with these gun violence restraints, just another bad aspect of this is um, how does that affect concealed carriers? If you're a uh, concealed carrier and that happens to you. There's yeah, another Say goodbye show. to that CCW. I mean, uh, yeah, oh, if, yeah. if you're put on a temporary restraining order, remember, temporary restraining order is reasonable cost. Lowest standard there is in law. So uh, even if you get a temporary restraining order, you know, uh, there goes your CCW. You think, you know, the the sheriff's office is going to be like, well, let's wait to find out and see (laughs) if it turns into a permanent GVRO. If it's permanent, then we'll take the CCW away. Now, as soon as that's issued, you get a letter in the mail saying goodbye. And, you know, 
even if you ha- are successful in defending it, that's on your record. They're going to know that that yeah. happened when they do the background check. So good luck applying Faster again. Faster than a tax oh, refund yeah, check. Yeah. No, there's no chance. It's I could rant and rave about all the problems of these things Do it. for many, yeah. many, oh, come many, on. many, He many needs episodes. some help. He can't, he can't, you know, he's. No, but, you know, when, when Michael's talking about talking to this sheriff candidate and how he's so pro this, well, it's like, well, of course you are. You're a law enforcement guy who just wants to enter people's homes and take their guns. I'm right. sorry. You know, yeah. uh, let's just be real. And you know, could care less say, about the general public. Yeah. Generally speaking, uh, you know, the Democrats are speeding off a cliff. The Republicans are just going the speed limit in the same direction. That was a terrible analogy. That's a perfect analogy. <laughs> I actually it really I, is. I, yeah, I'm writing it down. That was a great analogy. <laughs> All right, folks. John, it is always a thrill coming in. Do we need to send you a note to send home to your wife? Yeah, I'll send you the bill. Oh, my God. He's going to make us pay. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, we live in a state where your self-defense rights are under attack. Let us be your voice and help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. Go to the website. Subscribe to our newsletter. Our content is suppressed Uh, suppressed on the major social media platforms, so we're not guaranteed to be able to keep our audience. And if we shut down, joining our newsletter allows you to stay in contact with us. So go to gunownersradio.com and click on the Join uh, the Gun Owners Radio newsletter button. Prize winners are picked every single week. Every week? That's what it says right here. Every week. I still haven't won. You haven't won? Neither have I. <clears throat> I've never won a raffle is there, either at was, any it, of our events. I did. Is, I did. It's That's a rigged tr- system, everyone. That is uh, not true. <laughs> you won the uh, the frangible. That was an auction. Uh, close enough. No, nope. I've never won a raffle. But you won where you're at right now. You got the co-host win to come in and co-host with yeah. us. Yeah. 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 I didn't win any. Auctions <laughs> don't count. Raffles God. do count. Auctions Some, don't. Yeah, auctions somebody get this guy count. a lolly or something. They do not count, right? Get him Everyone a Snickers. What? The one time we want him to come on air, we can never get him on. Now he's on. We can't get him off. Who else wins guns? Who brought, I never win guns. Who brought Betty White in today? That's oh, what I want. Ooh, Betty White. <laughs> talk about that. that. What? Did, talk. Talk about before we go into Sam's segment. Talk about what you what you wanted the auction. Yeah. So I I wanted the the NFT recoil auction. So and actually. I won two auctions on that sense, but basically oh, at the, the San Diego County Gunner's Second Amendment dinner, uh, there was a framed jersey, uh, Second Amendment jersey with a, a rainbow flag signed by um, Chris Chang. Chris Chang, and he was uh, LGBT uh, advocate and firearms advocate. He's the winner of Top Shot. Yeah. Guy can shoot crazy good. Uh, awesome guy too. And uh, so he was put on the cover of Recoil magazine. They turned that into an NFT. Those non fungible tokens for all those young kids out yeah, there. I have no you know? idea what you're talking. Yeah, I don't. About. Yeah, you're gone. Uh, Something about a sponge. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's, so, so what do you? What do you actually? So you want it, and you have the opportunity. It's all great. What do you actually have? So, all right. So it's basically. I always tell people this. It's like a digital playing card or digital baseball card, right? It's not a shirt. 
Oh, I got a shirt, a signed shirt oh. too. That's hanging in my office. But uh, I also got this digital baseball card of the Recoil magazine cover and uh, the NFT auction. I won an additional auction. So by winning all these things, I get to go to a shooting event. We. Yes. We you, want to tell, you want to be my extra? <laughs> I I've do. been looking. So you can Seriously, tell me. I need, you got, if you got a plus one. I do have a plus one. Thank I'm in. you to the auction that I won at the event. So you're Wasn't my there plus something one. illegal about this? No, sir. Okay, I just checked. Absolutely not. I already talked to my lawyer about it. <laughs> All right, so that means so so it's a uh, the I th- it keeps coming back to the digital uh, playing card. That's that's what that that's yeah. The you know, and it's back. it's one of those things. I think the value of them comes from the fact that um, it's it's the built-in certificate of authenticity. The you know and ownership. You know, I, I came from a family we collected baseball memorabilia. I'd go to national card shows. Oh, I get yeah. you know autographs from players. I got I got a pretty big collection. So. The big thing is, you know, always having these certificate of authenticity if, if you ever want to sell it or get rid of it. And, you know, sometimes that's hard to get, especially if you get a baseball signed by someone yourself and you didn't buy it through anything. There's no, you know, you didn't ask the player to, hey, can you also sign the certificate? <laughs> um, so these uh, NFTs, they kind of have that built into the system. So uh, I believe I have the serial number four of these nice. 10 NFTs for it. And, uh, so because of that, I'm the proud owner of that. I think I bought one other NFT accidentally because I was trying to figure out how to do it. Accidentally. Yeah. I think I paid a little too much for it. I have no idea what it is. So did yeah. your other one increase in value because they say they just increase in value? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. honestly All right. I, you I, haven't I got that far yet. All right. We got a, we got a question we got to ask here. Yeah. Every week we do a segment called Stump My Nephew. Almost every week. Let's ask John. If you uh, – yeah, we, should, we should try to stump John. <laughs> If uh, if you send in a question and we use it on the air, you get a hat or shirt. If you stump my nephew with that question, you get a special prize. Very, very special prize. But it's extremely hard to stump my nephew because uh, he is a uh, he's a gun trivia stud. Phil, you ever hear this segment? Have you heard this yet? No, I haven't heard this. Okay, segment. so my, my nephew, he's 20. How old are you, Sam? 22. 22 years old. Okay. We started doing this when he was like 19, right? Were you 19? Yep. Started doing this when he's nineteen, and I, I don't we, we lost track of his record, but it's extremely difficult to stump him. He doesn't get the questions prior, uh, so he doesn't have an opportunity to study. Um, this is going to be the first time he's heard this question. Let's let's see how he does. All right, listen, man, impress Phil. Okay, guy was in the Marine Corps. He's a firearms instructor. You know, he doesn't need. You, you got to go. Uh, got to go big on this one. All right. I'll see what I can do for you. Excellent. All right, Action Jackson, you're on. Read the. Go ahead. What's the question, buddy? Oh. <laughs> Dan from Rancho Cucamonga asks, "Where did the British Sten gun get its name?" Was that Dan who wrote in? Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks very much for writing in. Um, the uh, so, did you ask Sten or Bren? Good question. Sten, S-T-E-N. Okay, thank you. Um, so, those two firearms have very similar names. Uh, they were in service around the same time period, and they actually get their names in a similar way. Uh, Sten is short for uh, Sterling Enfield because it was designed and produced in collaboration between the Sterling Factory and uh, the Royal Small Arms Factory at Enfield. Why do you know that? Okay, so the Sten gun was named after its after its designers, Major General 
Reginald Shepard and Harold Turpin and the location Enfield, where the Royal Small Army, uh, excuse me, Small Arms Factory was located, hence Sten, S-T-E-N. Okay, so I got it kind of half right. I, I thought that was right. What, what half did you get wrong? I said Sterling. That does. That's close enough. Sterling. Correct. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I didn't even I, even after reading it, I didn't reckon it. No, I think I didn't realize it was. Uh, it stood for something. I, I. It's. I've never seen it spelled. You know, all caps with with. You know, it's usually just one word. I didn't realize it stood for something. Yep, uh, it is an acronym. Um, RSAF Enfield has their name attached to a number of different British military arms. What, do you, can you, what, what can you tell us about the Sten gun? What, what is the British Sten gun? Um, it, most of you have probably seen it in photographs um, or in film. It was used in the Second World War. It was developed during the Second World War to be as inexpensive as, possi- as possible to produce. Um, it is a 9mm submachine gun feeding from box magazines uh, that insert from the side. And it it, it, it looks basically like a metal pipe with a couple other metal pipes sticking out of it and a box magazine on one side because that's pretty much what it is. Well, that so that's the distinctive part of the Sten gun is the magazine comes out of the comes out the side, right? Yeah. Why do they do that? Is it was it was it intended to be a handle or they just that's just how it was designed? Do you have any any insight as to why it was uh, sticking out like that? I can't speak to the Sten specifically, but as far as I'm aware, most uh, most firearms that have a side-mounted magazine are designed in that way um, to allow the person firing it to go prone more easily. You see that on a lot of um, a lot of older light machine guns, and you see that on the Sten. Uh, you'll see either a top-mounted or a side-mounted magazine on some of those weapons because if you're in a low prone, or in the case of a, a light machine gun, if you're firing it from a bipod, a magazine sticking out the bottom will get in your way. It, it, that makes total sense. I didn't know that. Anybody here know that? Oh, I did. <laughs> John, you're a, you're a, John. You're kind of you're. No, they are shaking his head. You're a gun nerd, right? Yeah. I mean, you know a lot about guns. Yeah. Uh, did you know any of this? I knew the general theory of the magazines being stuck in on the side. I didn't know that. I'd never heard that. Very yeah. intelligent. But I did not know the the origin name Sten. Uh, my fun fact, I can correct me if I'm wrong, but you got to flip open that ejection port to make the send go pew. Pretty sure. I don't know. You know anything? Is that Sam? Can I you confirm so. or deny that? I'm not super familiar with the Sten. I know that is a feature with the US M3, which is kind of similar in design, but I, I can't speak to the Sten specifically. Is the Sten is that is that the one that's also nicknamed, or that might have been the American? It was a real real similar stamp one. Is it also called the Grease Gun, or is that the American? Uh that was the M3. The M3 was the grease gun. They oh, look I love that gun. They that was what I had in the army. The grease gun? Yeah. They let you have a gun? They yeah, I know. It. With bullets. Oh, wow. I love that gun. I wish I'd have stolen one. You still have all your toes, right? I do. <laughs> oh, Good <okay>. point. <laughs> Making sure. Jeez, you're talking about my favorite a, gun. A Dave violence restraining order. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right, well, that's cool, man. Good job, Sam. That's awesome. As always. Yeah, why do you why do you know that? What do you remember why you came across this knowledge? Uh couldn't tell you. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, let me ask you, do you like the gun? Um, I haven't had the chance to handle one, much less fire one. I can tell you yeah, when Dave, you, we're in California. Are you kidding? Me? I know, I know, I know. Well, he's, not, you, he's actually in Virginia. He's yeah, back he in can free do America. It. But when you fire that gun, it floats. 
it literally floats you i mean you just have to pull a little bit down but it is as solid as a rock it's a very slow shooter but it floats what the m the m3 the m3 no it's the weirdest thing in the world Mm-hmm. Hey, All Sam, right. before you go, just a real quick question here. I, I, you're, you're usually skeptical about some of these locations. Uh, do you really believe we have a community out here yeah. called Rancho Cucamonga? Um, at this point, I'll, I'll <laughs> believe anything in the way of place names out there. We do. Uh, I mean, every, every part of the world, especially um, every part of the United States, has its weird place names. So for every uh, Rancho Cucamonga or, or whatever it is you said, um, we have, uh, I don't know, Aquia Harbor, Tappahannock, um, all Spotsylvania, places Spotsylvania. like that. Yeah. See, see what you started. Yeah, I just well because Sam usually yeah. questions some of those, I and know. he's questioned. Some he of has those questioned ones, a few. So. That was real, right, buddy. You're the best. Thank all right, folks. For having me on, as always. Uh huh. Subscribe to our show on YouTube, and when you watch the video, make sure you hit the thumbs up button. And please support our local sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, Dilla Law Group. PRMI Mortgage, Scott Vincent, Nicole Well Banking, Royalty Realty, Sage Tree Web Development, National Concealed Carry Association, Seal One, the American Shooters in El Cajon, and Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, and Action Jackson. And last but not least, Brendan Thomas, Logano One. He is a happy boy. Woo-hoo. But don't go anywhere. Bob Siegel's coming right up. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.